0: good morning everybody so we're looking at we're still looking at prayer and we're still in that theme um, for the next while and when I was when I was a, a kid I was taught how to pray by using the word stop okay I was told the first the first letter of stop S I was told we should begin by saying sorry then we should move on and we should thank God then we should pray for others and then lastly we should come before God and we should say please Lord Please, Lord. And that is what I want to focus on this morning. It's just that first, that, that, that please, Lord, asking him for something. Like from the very beginning, God designed human beings to be in relationship with God. And we see this in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve, they walk with God and they converse with him. And from the very beginning, we were designed to be able to ask of God. We could ask him for help. We could ask him for provisions. We could bring our requests before him. And as we look through the Bible, we see loads and loads of of stories of people who are coming before God and asking in prayer. And we actually see moments as well where we are told. We are told that we should ask. It's almost like a command that we should come before God and we should ask. I'm going to fire up a couple of verses on the screen I don't actually have one key passage this morning. We have a couple of verses and a parable that we're going to look at. And the first is this, John 15, verse seven, and it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The second then, the second verse is this here. And I tell you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And then lastly, this incredible verse in Psalm 2, verse 8. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. And the uttermost parts of the earth as your possession. So what I want to do this morning is I want to give us four challenges in our our prayer life when we come before God and asking him. Four challenges. And the first is is pretty simple, but it is to pray big. Now, I believe that for us in in our culture, in our climate today, there's a challenge, but there's also a danger that exists today as well. Now, I'm not going to pretend that we are without our struggles here at all. But I think it's fair to acknowledge that here in the West, here in, in the UK, we are actually a people of immense privilege. In the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of the world, we are people of immense privilege. We have, we've got the NHS. If you're sick, you don't need to save up an absolute fortune to go to the doctors to say, doctor, I've, I've had a cold for a week and needed to give me something here. We've got clothes on our back. We're all looking lovely this morning. And maybe we might even go home and we might get changed and come back wearing something different this evening. Who knows? We are of immense privilege. We have food on the tables. We may have a watch on our wrist. You might even have a necklace on your neck. We might even have a car in the driveway. If we have a question, what is it that we do? What's the first thing that we do if we have a real big question? We get the phone out. We Google it, don't we? We Google it straight away or maybe we go to Alexa or something like that and we say, What's the weather to be like tomorrow? Or how do I get to this place or that place? Or how do I cook this dinner? If I've got a question, I go straight to Google. That's that's my main place for finding things out. Now, I'm not here this morning to point the finger and say us living here in, in, in the Western world of immense privilege, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that right now, but I do want us to acknowledge that growing up in this culture will definitely impact the way that we pray. The way that we come before God and ask of him. Now, here's where I think the real danger is. There is a danger that we could ask little of God because we think much of ourselves. We could ask too little of God because we think too much of our own capabilities. There was a a man called A.W. Tozer. I think this, this quote's gonna come up on the screen. He was a theologian, an amazing theologian, and he said this here. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So I don't know what comes into your mind whenever I say God. Whenever, what's the picture that comes into your mind? Maybe it is the kind of image of God that you might see in the movies, that you might see in the Disney movies kind of almost like a fantasy picture or maybe it's a picture of a sweet old man with the the gray hair and the gray beard and and he's loving he's caring he he always carries a word that's original in his pocket he's always there for you to give you that wee sweet but actually he's a little bit out of touch he's a little bit distant from what is going on in the real world you couldn't really go to him with something because it's a bit disconnected or maybe god for you is a bit more like the scorekeeper the tally keeper, the one who's sitting there with with a little tick beside every time you do something good or an X beside every time you do something bad. But the way we perceive God and the way we see God is gonna impact the way that we come before God and we ask of him. If we reduce God down to something that he is not, then we will only ask little of him. You know, actually, if we... If we do this, if we bring God down to the size where we just put him into a box, if we reduce God down and put him into a box, then we've missed the point. We've missed the grandeur of who he is. We've missed the majesty of who he is, and we can put him into a box and we can put him away and we can bring him out as and when we need him. But actually, God is so, so much bigger than that. He is indescribable, he is majestic he is all powerful. And when we grasp that, we humble ourselves and our capacity to pray and ask becomes so much greater. I want you to think about this. God created you. He created me. He created the earth. He created the stars in the sky. He spoke and the stars came into existence. Now, You may have seen this little analogy before or you may have heard these facts before that I'm about to tell you. I I watched this when I was younger and it blew my mind. It honestly changed me, changed me from the inside out. It was incredible. And I still watch this once maybe every six months. I want you to stick up a little picture of the sun, okay? Now, before I give you these facts, I want you to help me here. I want you to imagine that the earth, okay, the earth that we are here in, I want you to imagine it was the size of a golf ball okay? So here is the earth. Somewhere on this golf ball is Northern Ireland. Now you couldn't even come up here with a sharpie pen and put a little, a little point on this here that would probably replicate the size of Northern Ireland. But somewhere, if you did, somewhere on that little point would be us in Willowfield and would be you sitting here right now. Now, I just want you to grasp how big and marvelous God really is. He spoke and the stars came into being. If the earth was the size of a golf ball, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. It is massive. It is absolutely huge. Do you know how many earths you could fit inside the sun? 960,000 earths inside the sun. Okay, I'm not getting the reaction I was hoping for we're going to go one bigger, okay? Well, actually, a whole lot bigger. Science recently uh, discovered one of the biggest stars they've ever discovered. It is called Canis Majoris. Now, I may be saying that wrong. It is massive. I want you to stick up a little picture again of of this star. You can't even, it's so far away that we can't even uh, fully see it. But that bright star, that is Canis Majoris. Now, if the Earth were a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the size of Mount Everest. Now, if that doesn't shock you, you're going to need to get on a plane, go to Nepal, stand at the foot of Mount Everest, set that golf ball down and look up because it is absolutely massive. Do you know how many earths you could fit inside Canis Majoris? Right, this is the 10 o'clock service, so I know it's early. <laughs> okay. You could fit seven quadrillion earths inside of Canis Majoris. You're going to need to go home and Google how many numbers are in a quadrillion. I can't work it out right now, but it is big. Now, if we grasp, if we perceive God for who he is, that's going to impact my please, Lord. That is going to impact the way I come before him and the way I ask him. If I stand before him and I realize that he is the creator of the heavens and the earth, then my please, Lord is going to be my greatest need, my absolute greatest desire. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the creator, the one who holds the earth in the palm of his hands, and he is able. And guess what? He is not limited by resources. He doesn't grow weary. He is able. So our first challenge is to pray big. There is a film that is coming out um, quite soon, and it's a remake, and it's a remake of Aladdin. Now, I'm sure all of you will know of Aladdin or have seen it when you were younger. We have a picture of the new genie. So this here on the left, that's Will Smith. He's going to be playing the new genie, which is coming out uh, in in a matter of weeks. But obviously, on the right-hand side there, we had the old genie, which was done by Robin Williams. He did a pretty good job, so Will Smith has a lot to live up to and I think when we when we're younger anyway or when we're young in our faith maybe our, our perception of prayer might be something similar to the idea that we see in Aladdin you know you know how it is that that lump that you rub the lamp you get a wish you can ask and then you receive but we know that's not the case we know that's not the case when it comes to prayer we know we can't just snap our fingers ask for this or that and we'll receive it straight away But I want to think of our second challenge. Our second challenge is this. That we should desire his glory and not ours. And that is going to impact the way we say, please, Lord. You know that question of, can I really just ask God for anything and he will give it to me? Can I ask God for a Ferrari? Can I ask God for for Arsenal to win the Europa League? Can I ask God for Ireland to go and win the World Cup? Well, no, no. You know as well as I that that's not the case. but I want to think around this a little bit. So if we flick on, there's a, there should be another passage here. It's Luke. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. And it's that passage that we read earlier. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So we are okay to ask for stuff here. The, the, the verse actually goes on. Uh, sorry that it's not on the screen. The verse actually goes on and it says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So look, we are allowed to ask the Father for stuff knowing well that he will not give them to us if it's bad for us or if it's bad for his kingdom. So you may ask, but God knows if it's good for you or if it's good for his kingdom. But there's another verse in John chapter 15, verse seven that's really helpful when thinking around this challenge. And it's that one, one that we just read there, actually, sorry, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. And there's a condition there. The condition is if, you abide in me. If my words abide in you, his words must abide in us. It's only that, it's only then that we will be people of God who ask for the things that further his kingdom and not for the things that are just to further our own. See, the word of God and prayer, they they go hand in hand. And I want to encourage us as a people to lean into God's word, to saturate ourselves in God's word. Because the more we know the Father, the more we abide in Him, the more our desires will begin to look like His, rather than our desires just looking like the flesh. Moving on to our third little challenge is about being persistent in prayer. Now, there's a, a photo, again, I want to show you of, of a fellow. You should recognize this guy. Hopefully it comes up. Does anybody recognize him? Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. Now, this guy, he kind of epitomizes what it means to be persistent. What, he epitomizes what it means to stop at nothing. Even so much that, let me see, on, on the 26th of July, 2019, Terminator 6 is coming out. Arnold Schwarzenegger is 71 he is still going he is still persistent I want us to be persistent in prayer as a people of God now this can be a difficult one because when we come before God are we to simply to pray and trust God that he is in control of the situation and then are we to sit back and rest knowing that God will do the best thing for us Well, without a doubt, we are to be a people of faith and we are to pray in faith. But as we read through the scriptures, we have to admit as well that there are lots of accounts of people coming before God and wrestling with God, pleading with him and being persistent in prayer. (laughs) Moses, he wrestled with God and he interceded for his people, often to change God's mind and often God relented his judgment on his people. Habakkuk we see Habakkuk cry out and say how long will I cry out to you Lord or David he poured out his questions to God through tears in the laments that we see in the Psalms he poured out his questions and he wrestled with God so much and often as a result of his pouring out of his tears and pouring out of his questions his questions then turned to praise or or we've got Jacob who literally wrestled with God, he is in this wrestling match with a man and halfway through this wrestling match, he realizes this is God. And when he realizes this is God that he's wrestling with, he says, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. Until you bless me, I am not letting go of you. Jesus himself in in Luke chapter 18, he urges those who are listening to always pray and to not lose heart. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what your prayer is, what your your lifelong prayer is or has been. But maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're close to breaking point. Maybe that prayer that you've had for weeks, months, years, maybe you haven't been seeing the answers to that that you would have liked This morning, Jesus says, always pray and do not lose heart. Maybe this is just for you. He goes on and tells us a parable. It should come up on the screen. Sorry that that is so small. Hopefully you can read it. It says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain time there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And will God will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And we've got to be careful here not to be offended that God is, is being compared to an unjust judge here. It's kind of like the way we see Jesus' second coming being compared to like a thief in the night. In that comparison, Jesus isn't actually being compared to a thief, but he is being compared as one who's going to come like a thief in the night, come without us knowing. But here, the point of the comparison isn't that God is like an unjust judge, but that he will respond with help to those who cry out to him day and night. We we are like the widow. We're weak. We're poor. We're pretty much helpless. Oppressed. The widow had nobody to speak up for her. The only person that she could go to who had any power, who had any potential to change her situation was the unjust judge. Now for us, the only only place we can go where there is any power to genuinely change our situation is to God. Now the woman, she comes to the judge again and again and again and again and eventually he gives her the help that she needs just simply to, to get her off his back. But the idea of the parable isn't that we're to come before God and just relentlessly try and tear him out, to try and wear him out to the point where God says, oh, for goodness sake, fine, and gives in. That's not the point of the parable. The point of the parable is that God is so different to the unjust judge. It says that the unjust judge, he neither feared God or regarded man. But God, well, God is God. And he does regard man. He regards man so much so that he would launch the greatest, the greatest mission ever to rescue mankind from their sin. He would send his son to the earth to hang on the cross for you and me so that our sins could be forgiven. So if an unjust judge will help a widow who cries out in need, then how much more can we Trust that God will help us when we cry out and persist in prayer. So if that is you this morning, if you have that prayer in your heart, that one that you've been praying, maybe it's a person you've been praying for, maybe it's a relationship, a situation, something to do with health, whatever it may be that you've been praying for for a long, long time, hear the words of Jesus. Don't give up. Keep pushing into that. Don't give up, keep persisting in prayer. Lastly, our last little challenge is, is to be people who pray in desperation. Be a people who pray in desperation. There's a guy called Paul Miller and he, he, he says this, the quote's gonna come up on the screen, it says, learned desperation is at the heart of a praying life. I think it's really important that we realize just how desperate we really are in need of Jesus. It's so important that we realize just how desperate we really are in need of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, think of that saying, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. There's something about that saying that's that's sort of similar to, to ministry, not only just here in church, but also in your own lives. We could do all of this. We could do this. no bother in our own strength. We could get the best musicians in. We could hire them from wherever. Session musicians, the best of the best. We could say, okay, we want you to play these songs for us. We want you to start with a nice, upbeat one. We want to finish with a real powerful one. And we could get the best motivational Christian speaker in who's gonna be the funniest guy. He is gonna be really encouraging. He's gonna speak well. He's gonna be really, really uh, great to watch. We could get good coffee. We could go to guilt trip. We could get a whole load of donuts in. We'd get the cries in, no bother. Lights, smoke machine, all great. It's gonna look class. But without the power of Jesus, pointless. Absolutely pointless. Without, without the work of God that goes on in our heart, it's not gonna work because that is completely down to God's power. And we are desperate daily we are desperate for his presence. The only thing that is ever gonna transform me to be more like Jesus is gonna be the power of God, the power of his word, the power of his Holy Spirit. And believe me, when we realize just how desperate we really are in need for that, that's gonna bring us to our knees. Not just once in a blue moon, it's gonna bring us to our knees daily. And that's not, I'm not just desperate for it up here speaking, and David's not just desperate for it running the church, but you actually should be desperate for it in your office, in your, in your home, in, in your classroom, wherever it may be, absolutely. So if you wake up tomorrow and you're not sure what your please, Lord, is, if you're not sure what it is that you wanna ask of God, start with this. Start with asking, I want more of your Holy Spirit, Lord. I need more of your power in my life to make me more and more like your son, Jesus. You know, let's not be a people who only pray on that random occasion where we think that the situation has, has got desperate enough, when we think the circumstances around us have got desperate enough. You know, we see that in the films, don't we? We see it in the movies. Those people who, who really don't look like Christians, wouldn't claim to be Christians, but all of a sudden the situation around them has got so dire, That the only thing that they have left to do is begin to pray. Well, we are desperate. There's an incredible woman called Corey Boom, which I'm sure most of you will have all heard of. And with this, I'll finish. She she lived during the time of of World War II, and she has this incredible story of rescuing so, so, so many Jews. She hid them in her house, and she uh, helped them escape the grasp of the Nazis. And she has this incredible quote, and it should come up on this screen. Oh, sorry, the screen. i sorry, the quote won't come up on the screen, but there'll be a couple of pictures. It says this, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare wheel? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare wheel? Now, both the steering wheel and the spare wheel, they exist in your car. They're, they're there, they're present. But when you leave here today, and if you're going back to your car, It's only going to be the steering wheel that's going to help you get from A to B. It's going to be the important part. I can guarantee you that you will not give a second thought for your spare wheel until you hear the flapping of the rubber along the road. Until you've hit that little pothole in the ground and you realize, jeepers, time to get the spare wheel out. Time to change it. And even then, maybe you're the sort of person who says, okay, I've, I've, I've got the flat tire, I've, I need to get the spare wheel, but I have no idea what I'm doing. I have absolutely no idea how to change this spare wheel. So much so that I'm going to phone somebody else, I'm going to ask them to do it for me. Or maybe, maybe you're sitting thinking, okay, I've got a spare wheel in the back, but is it really going to do the job? Is it really going to work for me? Is your prayer life defined by the steering wheel or the spare wheel? Do you come before God and and only say, please, Lord, only when you've got the flat tire? Only when things look desperate enough, when circumstances look desperate enough? Or is prayer more like the steering wheel? In use constantly. In use constantly as you go from A to B. The essential part Let it be the steering wheel today. So pray big. Ask for his glory and not ours. Be persistent in prayer. Don't be afraid to be desperate because we need to be desperate. Maybe if the band wanna come up, I'm just gonna close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you teach us to pray Lord, reveal more of your truth to us. Reveal more of the fact that we need to be desperate before you. Would you humble us, Father? We are so in need of your power. We are so in need of your presence. Lord, forgive us for the times when we have reduced you down to something that is so small, something that only works for us. Lord, I pray that we would know the weight of your glory. So teach us to pray, Father. In your great and holy, holy name. Amen.